0: Popular philosophy leads us to believe that a day is made up of 24 hours. Within this 24 hours, there are rituals and routines that the human animal will be immersed in to make sense of life. The idea that there can be an extra hour is desirable, a 25th hour. But what if that 25th hour takes the form of a rare space and time itself, for it to represent a moment of reckoning? A moment of realizing that an era has come to an end. On this episode, I find myself looking at the United States as it finds itself lodged in the 25th hour where during this time of COVID-19, murmurs of it being a failed state are starting to become louder. I am Kahi Somnisi and this is Checking In. New York, New York, the pride and joy of America, within the eyes of its sprawling inhabitants, is endless possibilities. If you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere, right? But that has waned amid the spectacular, tragic comedy that has been the Trump era, and even more dire in the times of Corona. Cutting a slice from the Big Apple, more specifically, an enclave known to us the world over as the Bronx. I connect with Phil Bell. Bell is a graphic designer and a videographer who grew up in this part of the world. He's seen the evolution of this here place located in New York State. Next to him declaring Captain America as a hero who's lost his powers, he like Ed Norton's character as Monty Brogan in the Spike Lee directed movie 25th hour, takes me through the nuances that make up the Bronx. Uh,
1: The Bronx has a lot of immigrants from the Caribbean, a lot of Dominicans, a lot of Puerto Ricans. There's definitely also a really large black population in the Bronx. There is a really large influx of West Africans in the Bronx in recent years. Um, There's Albanian communities, huge Albanian community in the Bronx. So many immigrants in New York in particular, and uh, the Bronx is no exception, for sure. The Bronx is traditionally and continues to be like a working class uh, part of New York City. Certainly the poorest area in the city. Although I wouldn't say everyone in the Bronx is below the poverty line, it's working class and a lot of immigrants and a lot of people who are really the, you know, the engine of the economy who work in all a lot of the sectors that have kind of shut down recently during this COVID crisis. And so the Bronx has been pretty hard hit with all of this. The
0: trope in recent years across media is how the wave of gentrification has changed the makeup of New York. When the hipsters move in with their artisanal coffee shops and craft beer outlets, rent prices go up, and many who have called a place home for years are left displaced. Can the same be said about the Bronx?
1: You know, housing prices and rent prices are pretty high in the Bronx, partly because there's been a real shortage of housing and affordable housing in particular in New York City. And so, you know, people who even just like have a regular job uh, and are supporting their family, it's hard to find affordable housing in the way that, you know, like my parents were able to when I was a kid. And for that reason, you know, there's just like much less affordable stuff out there and so the Bronx being a little bit more affordable than a lot of other parts of New York that have been gentrified is then like packed with people all trying to get something and so even here the prices even in you know neighborhoods that aren't particularly desirable for a host of reasons the prices can still be fairly high unfortunately and so like even if the gentrification itself isn't happening in the Bronx, I think the reverberations of it are certainly affecting the Bronx uh, pretty intensely.
0: For those in the storytelling business, it is common knowledge that you shouldn't let a good crisis go to waste. And most of all, the very same knowledge rests on the belief that good drama has currency. But in the time of Corona, there exists a philosophical clash between the dollars made from the drama and the ethical implications. American media finds itself as a casualty, right in the middle of the clash. Phil Bell believes the COVID-19
1: coverage has been overly dramatized. Uh, Well, it just feels like it's over-dramatizing something that's dramatic enough as it is. Especially early on in the coronavirus crisis, before it really got bad, they were already portraying it as a complete nightmare in hospitals and my wife works in a hospital, so I'd look at this article that, in the Times that would be like, it's a, it's a nightmare in the hospital, and I'd show her the article and she'd be like, I don't know, I'm not seeing that, and my friends in other hospitals aren't seeing that yet. I mean, it definitely became quite horrific, and an insane amount of people have died, many of which I think unnecessarily And the crisis is pretty, pretty serious. I was just speaking to kind of like the fact that it's dramatic enough as it is. uh, And it does feel like sometimes some media outlets have over dramatized it and over dramatized the danger to that. You know, doctors are facing putting stuff on the front page where it's like doctors are scared for their lives. Uh, Mostly all it did was freak out. It's scary enough. It doesn't need to be portrayed as any scarier.
0: Some of the best accounts of the outbreak come to us not from doctors and scientists, but from survivors themselves. In this case, Phil Bell, his wife, who is a medical doctor and their toddler contracted COVID-19 when it started spreading in the United States.
1: Yeah, we got sick around the end of March. You know, I have no idea where we got it. A lot of my wife's uh, co-workers have gotten sick and a lot of people we know have. The area where we live, like when I look on a map, some of these maps that show you the different zip codes or neighborhoods, like the levels. We're like in the top five neighborhoods in the entire city of, of people getting sick. So, uh. We expected to get sick, uh, and and certainly, and sure enough, we did. My wife got sick, and then I got sick a couple days later. For her, fortunately, it passed within, like, she had a couple days that were pretty uncomfortable, but then it passed fairly quickly, and she was feeling better the next week. And then my son, who's a year and a half, he barely showed any symptoms, which is, you know, obviously... Uh, <laughs> fortunate he's just like coughed a little bit maybe had one night where he was a little fussy but he was fine my first week was a little bit like I was a little sick but it didn't feel that bad and then the second week I actually felt worse than the first week I had like fever and stuff but also my symptoms were pretty manageable and then the third week I was still feeling under the weather not like fully better but not that bad overall I'd say we we're pretty fortunate and didn't have a particularly intense reaction to it Throughout the course of creating the
0: series, there's been several references to the United States position in the times of Corona. A comment came from Paris by Camille Diaw.
1: In France, we have this uh, like providence state, but compared to the US, for example,
0: where they have like 3 million people just um, going to unemployment uh, in one week. Like in France, it doesn't happen because we really have the state trying to support the uh, the companies. Another from Berlin by Diana McCarty.
1: I look at the U.S. and that's just a time bomb. I mean, that crazy man in the White House is just surrounding himself with idiots. This is really dangerous.
0: And the common sentiment is that Captain America has been shot down and redemption is nowhere in sight. The country has seen its stock market collapse a spike in unemployment and the national mood devolve into collective anxiety, not to mention a staggering body count at the hands of the corona outbreak. That said, it can be argued that this has been the trend globally. So why is America's stance any more dire? And what does it reveal about leadership and governance across party lines in that part of the world?
1: We're living in like somewhat of a failed state, except that most of the population isn't fully sort of admitted to ourselves yet that it is a failed state. You know, unlike a lot of other countries that have gone through like pretty intense difficulty, this idea of American exceptionalism that exists here is like part of our deeply ingrained in our culture makes people a little bit blind to the realities of what's going on our government has completely failed people during this crisis obviously starting with donald trump and the executive branch just not able to react to to anything obviously discounting scientists and discounting anything i don't think it's just donald trump and this insane buffoon president, you know, because both parties, the Senate and the House and all on down to governors have reacted quite poorly and, and not done anything really meaningful for people that are, are suffering throughout this. And a, a really good example is actually New York State's governor, Andrew Cuomo, he has been having like all these press conferences and people are really happy that he's so active. Um, but then quietly in the background, they, uh, they cut funding to public hospitals in the middle of this crisis like a week or two ago, which seems just so insane. <laughs> and that's a Democratic governor who's supposedly a good guy as compared to Trump. Cutting funding to, to public hospitals, which, whose patient population is the most underserved in the state for the most part. People that are a little bit better off usually go to private hospitals. Folks that don't have insurance often get brought to public hospitals. And those are the places that got cuts in funding.
0: With some lamenting over the American crisis, well... It's people more than those leading them. The flip side of the coin is how Americans such as Phil Bell are gazing across the ocean with aspirational eyes.
1: Unlike some European countries where the the government basically backstopped the companies, they would pay them even though the companies shut down maybe like 90% of of their income and then companies would cover the other 10%. So then once this is over, the company starts up again and people still have their jobs. But here, you know, 22 million people have gone on unemployment and they're predicting that it might be up to 40 million people. And there doesn't seem to be any plan as to how to handle that level of instability. And you know, obviously everything that's going to happen because of that. People aren't making money. It's like, how are they going to pay their rent? How are they going to buy food? How is the government going to handle this? So far, there doesn't seem to be any action. As the 25th
0: hour strikes, the umpteenth hour, an hour of reckoning about the current and post-Covid-19 situation. One thing is for sure, Captain America is reeling on the floor. As per ritual... I would like to thank the open source community of beat makers that have made this mixtape possible. They cooked the beats and I the rhymes. I am Kahisom Nisi and this has been Checking In.
1: Which, to me, I don't know. That feels like a failed state, um, because the, yeah, it's just a, it feels a bit disastrous. But you know, hopefully, maybe, hopefully, I'm wrong. Uh, For me, not so much. Uh, Like I said, you know, I'm quite fortunate. I work from home anyway. I was uh, telecommuting as a designer beforehand. And uh, like I was saying, my wife is a physician. So she's for her things have changed. She works at the hospital. But in recent months, everything, their whole schedules have changed. And now she works just with COVID patients. So she's had she's been affected more. But uh, but still, you know, we're both still working, and we're lucky to still have jobs, and we're lucky to be in a stable situation, considering how many people are not. So, uh, not for me, there there hasn't been much effect. Uh, it's the the same stuff I've always that I've been doing. Uh, there hasn't been a huge disruption, amongst like the companies I've worked with so far. Uh but, you know, time will tell as the economy continues to downturn. We'll see what happens. <laughs> All right. Uh I hope hope that was uh was interesting on some sort of level. Not sure if I'm the, uh if I was able to sum up like what the Bronx is like that well. Uh, I was just thinking about it when our call dropped. I was like, I don't know. It's it's a hard thing to do to like try to summarize uh, a part of New York because New York is so undefinable. You know, it's so many different things for different people in different places. It's, uh, I would say, uh, you know, it's it, it's just hard to try to sum it up into anything. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. I talked to her. She's been pretty busy with work, as you could imagine, um, and so it's a bit tough to to carve out time, uh, especially because of the time difference. Um, she gets back later in the evening which would be like the middle of the night on your end uh, but i think she has some time off next week but i'm not positive um i'll definitely keep you posted uh, I'll, I'll let you know for sure but you should bug me follow up with me don't uh, don't be shy um do you have any questions for me? I could try to, like, because I hear about what she's told me. I could try to, I mean, it would be, like, secondhand, but, I mean, while well, you have me on the line. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know that things have slowed down a bit for them, which is good. Um, like the peak seems to be gone, at least momentarily. It could spike again. But things have slowed down these last couple of days, which is good. Um, and then otherwise, I think like I was telling you last time, one of the things at the hospital here, because it's uh, like a pretty low income area, the they are quite intense and busy on a normal busy week like outside of this crisis um you know like they often have uh patients flow like spilling out into the hallways on beds in the hallways and you know if someone were to see what it looks like in the hospital here on a regular day you know um they'd be probably pretty shocked <laughs> so uh um you know, when there's footage of New York City hospitals, New York City hospitals are really like a lot more intense from what she's told me than in a lot of other places in the country, just as like a baseline. Um, uh, So, yeah, I I mean, I think the the fact that it's already pretty, pretty intense here um, gives them like at least some sort of, um, you know, training and preparation for situation like this which just seems like it was helpful but um yeah uh but yeah yeah i'll let her know I think I think it would probably be preferable just on a day off, just because, like, at the end of a work day when she gets home, it's like having dinner, eating, prepping the next, you know, it's just like uh, uh, pretty tired. Um, She may not be up for kind of talking about work after work, (laughs) to be honest. For sure, yeah, definitely cool man so did i uh did I answer all your questions okay, cool well, I'm glad I could help and excited to to hear that you're doing a podcast um i'm I'm psyched for you man i'm happy happy you got something really interesting going on. No doubt. I'm happy to, uh, and feel free to hit me up anytime and let's definitely stay in touch. (laughs) Yeah, for sure, man. I'm always happy to sync up and, uh, Chew the fat, as they say. Yep, for sure. Uh, I'll download it today and uh, just upload it to my Google Drive and send you a link so you could download it. Thanks, man. I hope you have a great great rest of yours as well, and uh, good talking to you. All right. Bye.